This, this is God Stories Radio Podcast. God Stories Radio With Fritz, Mike, and Tina. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, Trish, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. Welcome, everyone, to God Stories Radio. This is session 168. I'm Fritz. <laughs> I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. Golly, they're happening so fast. <laughs> I'm still stuck on 167. Uh-huh. Well, I thought you were going to forget your name for a second there. Well, I almost did. <laughs> it's been that kind of a day. <laughs> uh, What's going on over there, Mikey? Just riding away. Riding away. <laughs> I was waiting I for it. I expect any less. I, I I just waiting, Father, to, I believe something's going to happen shortly, like you've been saying. I ever heard, there, there was one phrase you haven't said in a long time, but I heard it today. I don't know where I heard it from. Um, said, strap yourself in. Get ready. That's right. Mm-hmm. As you haven't said that in a while. So. Strap in, Mikey. I'm strapped. Get ready, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on over there, babe? Oh, not much. It's been an interesting day. I got to uh, work from home today because my uh, youngest was having his freshman orientation for high school. So it's a bit jarring just to realize the baby (laughs) is off to high school now. A bit jarring. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. Well, I don't want to take a lot of time. I know we've got some shout outs and uh, want to get to those. Who's doing those? Mike is doing those Mike is doing those. Yeah. All right, Mikey. All right. Well, on the Facebook likes, we have Dusty Havens. Thank you, Dusty. We know that guy. We know that guy. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) Hey, Dusty. Thanks for liking us on Facebook. And then we have Mitch Rogers. My buddy, Mitch. You know Mitch? Oh, I know Mitch very well. All right. Like one of his besties. Yeah. Great musician. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we have Rob Decker. Rob Decker, thank hey. you, Rob. Appreciate that. He Previous was guest on a few about about a month or so ago. Then mm. we have Carlton Watkins. Carlton, good friend of mine from Lake City. Thank you, Carlton. Appreciate that. Thank you, Carlton. Good Christian family. How come they're all your friends? Love those guys. Well, I invite them. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, definitely June Amrine. Ah. The madre. Mama June. The madre. <laughs> Mama June. 
Thank you for liking us on Facebook. Jim. Amen to that. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Mandy Griffin. Mandy Griffin, that is the wife of Thomas Griffin, another excellent musician, friend of mine, keyboard player, guitarist, whatever he wants to play. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. Well, I thank you all for liking us on Facebook. And, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody else there that uh, wherever you are, and if you can do that and you have not done so yet, please go to Facebook and like us there. Amen. Thank you so much. And there's so many different platforms you can hear us on. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio. You can listen to us on uh, Spotify. You can listen to us on so many different ways through our website, etc. And if you go ahead and like God Stories Radio, you'll typically get a notification when we go live. Amen to that. All right. I can't wait any longer. I can't either. <laughs> this gentleman we have on the phone tonight, Baby, you want to introduce him? I'd love to. Um, he was kind enough to agree uh, previously to be a guest, and uh, his prior session was session 119 called Feel the Fire. And um, just an incredible, I like to call him an apostle for Christ because he is completely sold out for Jesus. Yes, he is. Um, he walks the walk, he talks the talk, and um, I've never seen somebody as surrendered uh, before, so it's 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 a beautiful thing to watch. It sure is. Um, and you know, I just um, I just ask that you would all keep him in prayer, keep his family in prayer, because obviously, when you put yourself out there like that, um, there's a lot that comes your way, and a lot mm -hmm. of um, you know adversaries that um, try to thwart you and uh, kind of come against you, but. Uh, you know, he keeps plugging along because his faith is strong. So. Yes, he does. And I feel like we just had kindred spirit with him ever since we've had him the first time. And we've partnered with him in prayer and support. And uh, I just uh, can't wait to what he's got to say tonight. Yep. He's also served our country. And um, we thank him for his service. Amen to that. Yes. Thank you. And um, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce Mr. Marcus Rogers. Marcus Rogers in, in the, the house. house. Hey, how are you doing, everybody? Good. Yeah, fantastic. Welcome. Doing great. What's going on in Marcus' world? Well, uh, just listening to you guys say all those uh, nice things about me, uh, I kind of laugh, and I always like to tell people um, that it's not anything about me in particular, you know, why I serve the Lord that I, the way that I do, and obviously we're not saved by works or anything, but mm -hmm. the Bible says to whom much is forgiven, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be more more grateful. And I'm, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, when I was younger and things like that. And sometimes I just look back, you know, at all the things that I did, and it kind of makes me think of you know Saul when he was persecuting the Christians and killing the Christians. And now you know I wasn't doing anything like that. You know, I grew up in church, but I kind of just <laughs> kind of you know was just doing my own thing and things. And the Lord was just so patient with me and so kind with me and through all of my bad decisions and all the times that uh. I had my back turned on him. He just kept on loving me, kept on calling me. And I always tell people that even if you look in the mirror and you're saying, well, man, I could never be like, you know, Brother Marcus, or I can never be sold out, or I can never be committed. That's a lie from the enemy because the Lord, mm -hmm. he sees, you know, a Paul inside of every Saul, and he sees the Israel inside of every Jacob. He can see our potential even when we don't see it. So it's not because, like, I'm just this guy and I'm just like, oh, I want to go hard for Jesus. It's just I'm so appreciative. And I know I can never pay him back, but I just made up my mind that because he was so good to me, 
you know, I'm just going to put it all on the line for him the best that I can. But if anybody can do it. It has nothing to do with, like, that's, you know, some people think, oh, that's just his personality. No, I just sometimes meditate on how good the Lord has been, and that's where the fuel comes, you know, for that, that fire to just push, because you want other people to experience that. What do you think is one of the major problems for Christians and non-Christians today? Uh, I, well, I always believe that the problem with, I guess you could say that we have in common, Christians are non-Christians, is everybody's trying to fill that void. There's some people that claim to be Christians, but they fill the void with everything else but relationship with God. There's so many people that claim to be Christians, but they struggle with the basics of Christianity and then wonder why they don't have no power. I often tell people, like, if you're not overcoming in some area of your life, we can always look at something. And that is, well, how much are you actually fasting? How much are you actually praying? How much are you actually reading your word? And so maybe Christians, they're not necessarily trying to fill that void in a sinful way, but we do it in ways that are just time-consuming, you know, Netflix, shopping, uh, relationships. And then the world, they're doing the same thing. You know, they're trying to fill the void um, with drugs, drinking, whatever. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have in common. Everybody has voids, and a lot of people are trying to... Uh, feed it the wrong way and fill it the wrong way. And whatever you're putting in is obviously what's going to come out. And I believe if Christians would just allow the Lord to fill those voids in their life, we would see a different kind of fruit being produced, a fruit of revival, a fruit of people who are on fire for God and things like that. Yeah, it does seem like we're all busy building up the kingdom of me instead of Mm -hmm. his kingdom. That's good. Well said, babe. So, Marcus, I know when you were here before, um, you know, you were still active in the military and um, you were doing different things and um, kind of going out occasionally and and speaking at different churches. Can you kind of catch us up to what you're doing now? Well, um, let's see. Last two weeks ago, I was, I got ordained. My mother was there. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm not one of those people who, like, push the whole, you know, paperwork thing and licensing, because I believe that God is the one that validates somebody, and I believe that the paperwork, you know, is just a confirmation of something that you should have already been doing anyway. It's like, you don't wait to get the paperwork to say, this is what I am. You either are or you're not, because, you know, you're answering the call of God on your life. But it was nice to have that, and my mother was there, and uh, when they began to give me the charge and they began to pray for me, I could feel in the spirit, like it was just like a, a cloak was just draped over my back or a mantle or whatever you want to call it. And I just began to weep, like while they were giving me the charge. And it was just such a beautiful moment. And then after, you know, I got to preach uh, the night service there. And then I went and I preached in California. And it's like, I just felt like this, this stronger anointing. Like I'm very hard on myself when I go places and preach. And I'm always, you know, praying to the Lord, but you know, you know, what, could I could have done something different or was it good? But it just, it was just flowing and I felt this new anointing. That's been pretty exciting. That's probably the biggest thing um, that, it, that happened. And it was just a beautiful moment. Well, we're just so thrilled for you. And I'm so happy your mom was able to be there because I know she was an integral part of your journey uh, getting to know Christ. Yes. So I'm sure she was yeah, very she, excited. She, she, drove all, she drove all the way from Chicago. She actually stayed a couple of days with me uh, at the house. And it, it was just nice. And she was proud of me. And um, so 
that was probably maybe like the second or third time she's actually got to see me preach and Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it's just a good feeling. It is, yeah. Nothing better than that. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. So you're you've been out there. You've been preaching at some different churches. You're newly ordained. Um, what do you feel like God has kind of put on your heart as your calling, or do you think it's not necessarily specific? Um, I don't think it's necessarily specific. That's why a lot of times I don't even like to. Uh, plan things because there's so much chaos in the world. There's so much confusion in the world. Uh, the Bible says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. There's so many different things that are going on that I believe, like spiritually, we all have to be flexible. We can't just stick to just one thing. Like, and one thing that God always whispers, whispers to me to preach about is having balance. You know, you have some preachers out there. You know, all they preach about is grace and blessings, but they don't preach about repentance. They don't preach about sacrifice. They don't preach about being on fire. And so I believe that God is calling us to be more flexible and prepared to even be sometimes uncomfortable. Um, one one thing that the Lord showed me the other day when I was working on a, a sermon is that the children of Israel, they were in Egypt, and they were getting beat, you know, had whips on their back, sun beaten down, and I'm sure they were wondering, you know, am I always going to be a slave? Is it always going to be like this? Am I always going to be stressed out? But what they didn't know was while they were slaves and while they were going through that, God was raising up a Moses. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing about it is he sent Moses to the wilderness for 40 years. And while Moses was out there, he met Jethro's daughters and he started leading the sheep. And then after those 40 years, the Lord sent him back to Egypt to lead his sheep through the wilderness. And what God kind of revealed to me is he was like, I sent Moses, the leader through the wilderness first to show him how to lead sheep and to show him that he can survive and to show him that he can make it. And then I sent him back to lead other people through the wilderness. And so as believers, we have to be comfortable being in the wilderness, whether you're a leader, whether you're a Christian and everybody doesn't want to do that. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants, they want to be in the promised land the whole time mm-hmm. and they don't want to hear about the, the wilderness. And then I begin to really study it. And I seen the number 40 just popping up everywhere in the Bible. So the sermon the Lord gave me was you're going to do your 40 after Jesus was, you know, baptized and validated by the father, the, the Bible said the spirit led him into the wilderness uh, for 40 days. And we see Moses was on Mount Sinai. For 40 days and Jonah he preached to the Ninevites for 40 days and Elijah was in the wilderness for 40 days and Joshua and the, uh, when they went to spy out uh, the Canaanites they were there for 40 days so you see it 40 40 40 everywhere and so mm-hmm. one thing that I try to tell believers is that you're going to do your 40 now your 40 might look a little different than mine and the reason you're doing your 40 is not because God hates you or he dislikes you or he forgot about you it's just to prepare you and to shape you and to make you for his purpose Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Really, Mike, wow. Do you have something to say about the forty? Because oh, I know you're a numbers oh, guy. Well, I'm a numbers guy, and I think he kind of mentioned it. Moses was uh, forty years in with the uh, the sheep, the real sheep, and then he was forty years in with the uh, the people. Mm-hmm. It is is forty is um, there's something to forty. And I, I don't. Yeah, when I was researching, I was like, I, I couldn't find nothing definite, but it always has something to do with either testing or judgment. Okay, you know, and I was, I was just trying to think of what uh, forty stood for, and I don't. And, and basically, what it does, what I learned was, the first time it comes up in the Bible is basically what it should or probably will uh, 
finish out with throughout the Bible, however you see it. So whatever the first 40 was in the Bible, what it stood for yeah. then would be throughout. You know, what I, I think is neat too, because I, I learned this about the Hebrew language is that not only does it have a verbal meaning, but I guess it has a numeric meaning as well. It does. And I forgot that one too. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about that, Marcus? No, that's something that uh, I, I need to study a little bit more. I've been seeing that uh, a lot of us, that's another thing that God showed me. It's funny that you should say that. I was actually talking to this uh, rabbi and they were showing how the Bible pretty much, if you read it in the Hebrew language, it puts, it, it's like it adds a whole different dimension to it when you get that, uh, that interpretation. I don't know how to, it's not like another language, but it's like another deeper revelation that maybe, I don't know, American words are not just putting it right, like mm -hmm. the way that they write it. And it's, it's mind blowing. That's really cool gives you uh, that desire to want to pursue it, to to find out, you know, about the full robustness of what it has to say. So do you have uh, anything else the father was talking to you about in these last uh, few weeks? I know he does. Uh, well, yeah, I, gotta, <laughs> I, I gotta, know he I does. Gotta, I got a ton of things. Uh, one, one big thing that really just was amazing is when I was looking at the, the story of Genesis and, and with Adam and Eve, and I'll run through this real fast, but this is one of the big ones that really stuck with me. It's like uh, when he came and he cursed Adam and he cursed the ground that he was going to work, and then with Eve, he uh, cursed that you know she was going to have pain and childbearing, and then with the serpent that the seed of the woman would uh, crush uh, the serpent's head. Mm -hmm. I was looking at how the Old Testament is really the New Testament revealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. And obviously, you know, the story of um, Abraham and Isaac had the wood on his back and they were walking up the mountain and there was a ram caught in the bush. Mm -hmm. And the ram was caught in the bush uh, by his horn, you know, thorns and thistles in the bush. Mm -hmm. And so we know that thorns and thistles, you know, and weeds, that's what chokes out, you know, the seed and the ground and things like that. So when I looked at that and I looked at uh, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus broke the curse of man. You know, they put a crown of what thorns in his head right. mm -hmm. in the same way that the ram was caught in the bush. And then when they stuck the spear in his side, out of his side came water and blood. Mm -hmm. When a woman gives birth, Water and blood comes out. And then we also know about, you know, they saying birth to church and birth to bride. But the real interesting thing, interesting thing when you look this up, they drove a nail through his feet and into the ground, into the, or the cross into the ground. Now, if you look at the story of David and you look at Goliath, if you read in Samuel, it says that Goliath had six fingers, he had six toes, and he was six cubits high. Mm -hmm. Six, six, six. Right. And we know that Goliath was the result of some of the angels that had fell from heaven sleeping with the humans. That's where the giants came from. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of prophetic when he said that the seed of the woman would bruise the snake's head. And then, along, of course, you know the lineage of David and things like that, and they trace it all the way back in the New Testament. And David comes along, and he takes this stone, and he swings it, and it crushes what? Goliath's skull. Mm -hmm. So it's like a prophetic of what 
Jesus was going to do to Satan. And right. so when it, when it even goes, when it even goes deeper than that, if you talk to some actual uh, Hebrew scholars, when David cut off Goliath's head, they believed that he couldn't bury it inside of Jerusalem. So he took it out side of the city because, you know, he was a Gentile and things like that. He buried it outside. And so some scholars believe that the place where Jesus was crucified, Golgotha, mm-hmm. was named after Goliath of Gath, right? Oh, if yeah. You Google, if you Google a picture of Golgotha, it actually looks like a skull. And it's- remember, he said that the seed of the woman would pierce or crushed the serpent's skull. So when they drove the nails in Jesus' feet and drove the cross into the skull where they believe Goliath's head was buried, I just thought, man, the, the Bible is so amazing. Like the revelation <laughs> that you can get, you know, just if you really study. Now, obviously, you know, that's not, you know, Bible. That's just something through study and things that I've seen. But I thought that was just a beautiful thing. And if people stop reading the Bible, like, do like you're doing God a favor. And that's the problem with a lot of modern Christians. We we read the Bible like we're doing him a favor. Like, let me not feel guilty tonight. Let me read a chapter real quick. Let me say a little prayer fast. No, you need to read the Bible because you need it. And once you realize that, you're gonna it's gonna change the way you read it and the way you get into it. And you know what, Marcus Golgatha actually translates to place of the skull. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It just, you well, know. That's, that's how Father rolls. That's true. That is how he is. Everything has its place, the numbers, and. He's the, thorough. Absolutely. That he is. Through and through. That's so cool. I mean, it's so fun to hear you say some of these things because I have never looked at it from those perspectives, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, the Lord, he gives me a lot of things like that, you know, even just looking at, you know, obviously you see all the time Joseph being betrayed by his brothers and things like that. But even with Noah's Ark, you know, when Noah was driving the nails into the wood and the Ark was a symbol of salvation and whoever came into the Ark was saved. And the same thing when they drove the nails into Jesus' hands into the wood, you know, whoever believes in Jesus shall be saved. So it's like, it's so much prophetic stuff mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. And a lot of people, they kind of, don't want to read the Old Testament because, you know, I think it's boring or difficult to read. And that's why some people, I say, you need to ask the Lord to open your eyes, you know, when you read it, and it will it will really blow your mind. I, I always tell people, I say, man, any, any preacher can preach from the New Testament, but you find your preacher who can preach from the Old Testament real good? Oh, man. <laughs> any thoughts on Melchizedek? Uh, not necessarily, not off the top of my mind. Okay. And then today I was looking at some stuff in Romans. I was actually uh, preparing a Facebook Live, and I drew this uh, body out. And one of the arms on the body is really skinny, and then one of the legs on the body has like a combat boot. And then the other the other leg, the uh, foot, has a flip-flop. And what the Lord was kind of just giving me um, is we're all one body. And one thing that you see is you just see division everywhere. I mean, these... These um, black pastors just met with Donald Trump and there's people in the church attacking them. There's like division everywhere you look. And the problem is it's like like a poison that is even spreading to the body of Christ where the church is divided. And the thing is, the Bible says in Romans that we are one body, like it or not, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, we are one body. So if we're not unified, we're not working together. You know, we're we're actually weakening the body when we don't come together. We're not as powerful as we can be. 
we're not as effective as we can be. Uh, the Lord gave me a vision one time uh, where I was just, uh, I saw like a body just kind of laying down flat on its stomach, but the arms were underneath it. And it was kind of like uh, the, the body kind of turned over and one of the arms were asleep. And it's almost like I could feel it in my body. I was like, Lord, what does this mean? And the Lord told me that the body of Christ is sleeping and like cutting off the circulation mm-hmm. in certain parts of the body because you don't look like me. You don't dress like me. You don't talk like me. You know, I always tell people that if Paul walked into the churches now, we would reject him. If David walked into the churches now, we would reject him because the spirit of religion, we serve a God that we claim that he can wash away your sins and he can give you a brand new start. But religious people like have this self-righteousness about them. And yes, the Bible says to be righteous, but none of us are righteous. It says our righteousness are filthy rags. It's Abraham's faith in God that was accounted as righteousness, Mm -hmm. the fact that we believe God, the fact that we believe in his word. So if we really believe in his word, then we should look at our brothers and sisters and be able to love them with the love of Christ. Even, Even people who are not our brothers and sisters and look at them and see the potential. Yes, maybe you're Jacob, but God can turn you into Israel. Maybe you're a Saul, but God can turn you into Paul, but we, we don't, especially in America. It's just like this fake religious spirit where people try to act holier than thou. And because of that, Maybe you have one arm working, and we can say that one arm is people who grew up in church their whole life, and they never made no mistakes, and they never backslid. But then you have this other group, maybe they're tattooed up, maybe they used to be prostitutes or whatever, and the Lord wants to use them too, if he wants to clean them up too, but we don't allow them to be used in the church. And and you don't even have to let them be used at the pulpit, get a street ministry going. So now, instead of having two arms fully functional and working, we've only got one arm out there mm-hmm. kind of working and pulling in the people. And that's one thing that the Lord really really showed me, and it's really hindering the body. Like, we said, we're waiting on God to move, and the reality is he's just waiting for, for us. He's exactly. waiting for people to stand up and be a true reflection of who he is. And the problem is, we don't, we don't really look like, you know, the bride of Christ. You know, we, we really don't. Some of them probably look more like prostitutes, honestly, in God's eyes, the way that it is, because we're so self-righteous and so full of ourselves, and we're actually hindering the move of God and what mm-hmm. he wants to do. Yes, for, it's been decades, decades that the church or the body of Christ has been kind of silent and and just actually, as you say, have fallen asleep to a certain extent. Apathetic, I think, is probably mm-hmm. a lot of it, too. And... Uh, this is probably the perfect time the way the way things are now with the the way the government is and and who's in yeah. uh, at least on God's side to a certain extent and uh, it's time for the church to wake up while it's time while while we can I know God talks well, about it God talks about it in revelation too you know if you are lukewarm about him if you're not on fire for him he's going to spit you right out of his mouth mm-hmm. and i always tell people being on fire that doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to yell and you have to like like some people think being on fire just means, right? he's just full of passion like there's people who can quietly be full of passion for god mm-hmm. you know it's just a matter of being bold like a fire it's not just hot it also burns bright and it also attracts people to the warmth so you can be on fire and not necessarily be the loudest person in the room or even the boldest person in the room, but maybe just the way that you love somebody in this cold and divided world, you draw them in. So you're still being on fire for God. And that's what people sort of realize because they think, well, you know, my personality, I'm just, 
you know, I'm not like that. And, and then people look at things, the things that are going on in the world and they're not looking at it with spiritual eyes, like Donald Trump being president. Something The Lord told me that Trump was going to be president. People didn't believe me. They were laughing. You know, all that kind of stuff. He's never going to be president. And then obviously it was prophesied a couple of years ago by numerous people. And then uh, one thing God showed me is Isaiah 45 with King Cyrus. King Cyrus, he was not a Christian or, you know, he wasn't a child of God. He wasn't Jew. He was a, he was a Gentile, you know, and he was the one who told the Israelites to go back and to rebuild the temple. So I, I believe he, God, I believe he read yeah. his name in, in the uh, scripture or whatever else that, uh, that he was uh, going to do what he was supposed to do. Yes. And, and the thing is, God moved on his heart. So that's why I try to get people to understand. First of all, God is always in control. So people are like, oh, he's not, he didn't pick Donald Trump. Romans 13 lets us know otherwise. So people are so carnal that they can't see spiritually what God is doing. And the Bible also says um, that he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. So for all the people who think they're smart, all the people who are so full of themselves, God will set, set things up in a way that only people who truly have the spirit of God and have discernment are able to see what is actually going on. And right now, what the Lord showed me is, hey, this is the time to rise up. This is the time to mm-hmm. be bold. This is the time to get your stuff together because what I, what God showed me is after Trump gets out of office, it's all over. It's going to be a big wake up. It's going to be a big wake up call for mm-hmm. a lot of people. That's why I was saying it. Uh, now is the time for the church to wake up and make their move because they've only got another what six years, maybe. Yeah, I believe that. With, I believe that with all my heart. I believe right now it's like. If I could paint a picture, it's like you, you have room to breathe. Like we, we were underwater submerged and you come up and this is like a moment where you can take a breath, expand your lungs, you know, puff your chest up a little bit and then really get some, you know, some strength behind you, get a backbone behind you. Because after that, like I, one of my favorite things to say, casual Christians are going to be casualties. And I really believe that that gray area where a lot of Christians are standing in, you know, you're like, you go to church on Sunday and you're, you know, you're cool around all your Christian buddies, but nobody else knows you're a Christian. Uh-huh. I believe that great and it's shrinking. And the way that the world is going, we see all these different things happening uh, with the you know, LGBTQ community and politics and everything else. Eventually, people are going to want to know where you stand because it's going to come to your front door. And America is like, people have been kind of like, oh, you know, I'll stay out of it. I don't want to cause no waves, but now they're forcing it on their kids in the school. So are you going to homeschool them? Or are you going to keep them in the school? Like, eventually, it's all in the movies, it's all in the television. So there was a period where you could survive just kind of standing in that gray area, but it's coming to a point where they're kind of closing in and you're going to have to say where you stand. Mm-hmm. Well, what I've... And some people don't have the backbone. What I've noticed too, Marcus, is um, like, you know, I have a, a teenage son, so I sometimes I watch some of the programming that he watches and so forth, but it's, they're making it normal, you know, for same sex relationships to be on television or to be, you know, on Netflix and so forth. And it's really interesting because you, you know, in my generation, that never would have been, it just never would have, you know? And I mean, it's not like, it's amazing what, a difference just a few years can make. So I can only imagine 10 years from now what things will look like 
What about that lady that was on TED Talks talking about pedophilia? That's right. And she was uh, minimalizing, you know, saying that it's genetic. That Actually, Marcus really... is the one who posted that. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah. See there? See? <laughs> Do you remember that one? <laughs> I was talking about that. Like, I remember I first brought that up four years ago. And that, well, you know, under the Obama administration, I think all, um, you know, same sex marriage wasn't completely legal everywhere and stuff like that. And I kept warning people. I said, look, this is about to open a door. And the pedophiles and all that stuff are going to come out and things like that. And, and people, you know, they didn't believe me. But then you start seeing a couple things pop up here and there. It's almost like they're testing the water. They had the thing with the trans age thing. Uh, there was a school, a university, I think it was in Britain. They were trying to research it. Because, you know, the thing with men is they want to have an explanation for everything. They want to they want to act like they understand everything. So they said, we're going to study these people and see why is it that they're attracted, you know, to little children. So one of the explanations was trans age. They had a, like a 40-year-old man, and uh, he identified as a 12-year-old girl. So the 12-year-old girl and him is what was attracted to, you know, the 12-year-old boys. That was one explanation. So they're trying to normalize it. But the real question I always ask is, well, why, why do they have to put it in the children's movies? And then why are they forcing it? Like in places in California and even Illinois, they're trying to pass it. Why are they trying to force it? on your children, you know, for the, for the sex education classes thing. Why do they feel that it's their responsibility to teach that? Mm-hmm. And the reason, the reason the, you know, how the Lord showed it to me is because if they can indoctrinate your kids, if they can take the power away from them, they can normalize it in that child's mind. And by the time that child comes 18 and they get voting power, they're going to look at Christians as the bad guys. Because mm-hmm. it's been normalized, and they see it on their TV shows, they see it on their cartoons, they're taught in the school that this is normal, and that this is acceptable. If you want to be gender fluid, if you want to be attracted, that's okay. That's It's an agenda going on, and what does the Bible say? The Bible says people are waiting for the Antichrist, but they fail to realize that there has to be a stage, there has a, to be a platform built for the Antichrist before he steps out. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. The Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work among you. And mm-hmm. what is the spirit of the Antichrist? Anything that goes against God's order for things is trying to destroy and defy God's order. And Christians are so lukewarm that they, they have the nerve, oh, just let people do what they want to do. Just let people love. And it's, it's not that we hate anybody, no. but that's how they're going to try to make it look like we're full of hate and we're, we're these mean people. And a lot of Christians, they don't see it like that. Yeah, and there's a price to pay for for being well, like that as it does. well. I think it's in Matthew where it says, uh, I never knew you. Be, be, get away from me where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, passivity. And a business too right now. So that's another reason it's watered down. They don't want to talk about none of this stuff because they want the dollars to keep rolling in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's num- a number of, I guess, reasons and agendas, you know, as to why people won't speak up or say anything, you know, and I, I think you hit on an important point because it's not that people like who are willing to stand up for the word of God are filled with hate. Nobody hates, I certainly don't hate anybody who is gay or lesbian. I I love them. You know, they're, they're still people at the end of the day, but I hang my hat on what God says is truth, you know? And it's like, you have, you can live your life the way you choose to, because God has given you 
the option to have a choice. But like you said, don't try to impose it on me. Don't try to impose it on my children because, you know, you're crossing a line there. You can do it yourself, you know, but you can't push it onto other people. But that's exactly what's being, what's happening. It definitely is. And people need to wake up. I mean, even in Canada, they were, uh, they were passing the law that they can even take your kids from you uh, for this, all, all that gender fluid stuff. Same thing in California. If you fail to use the right pronoun, when dealing with certain individuals, you can be fined, you can be sued. So it's like, I keep trying to warn people and I tell people, I say, an uh, idol is getting built right in front of your eyes. And the idol, it's not that I want to pick on the LGBT because all sin is a one-way ticket to hell. That's right. I definitely love everybody, but that's the whole point. The enemy is going to try to make it look like we hate them. Mm -hmm. So there's an idol that is being constructed and it's being constructed by the LGBTQ and it's going to be exactly like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Either you're going to bow down to it or you're not. But a lot of people, they, they can't see that it's being built. And then honestly... A lot of people, they don't want to hear about it. They just want to, they want to kind of be in like la-la land and just be like, no, you know, I'm just going to continue living my lukewarm Christianity where I go to church and I hear this motivational message and, you know, hear about how my finances are going to be blessed and I'm going to get blessed with a husband. I'm going to get blessed with a wife. And that's all they want to hear. They don't want to hear none of that other stuff. They don't want to believe that that's going to be, you know, like a reality, but it is. And there's going to be a rude wake-up call for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Ooh. It's so hard, you know, it's just hard to live in the world that we're in right now. Um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to stand out. It is, it's not easy to stand out, but we're certainly called to do it. Mm -hmm. God tells us we're not meant to fit in, you know, we're his people. So, um, yeah. you we, know, we definitely meant to stand out and God is going to make it where you're not going to have a choice. You're going to, Stand out, or you're gonna, you know, sit down and, and bow down and, mm -hmm. and uh, conform to what is going on. I mean, if you look at everything that's going on in the world right now, one thing I always tell people, I say, okay, if you think the presidents are the problem, you could take Donald Trump out of office right now and put President Obama back in, oh, and it would goodness. not, make, it would not make a difference because the world. If you look at the world and the, the, all the ground that these different groups are gaining and everybody's fighting for power, there's a collision coming. Mm -hmm. You think, like, the momentum's just going to stop? They're going to keep trying to get more and more ground, and eventually they're going to get so much ground that it's going to interfere, like it's already interfering with what... You can't just let your kids watch Saturday cartoons anymore. you got to watch and see what's on there. Mm -hmm. You can't just send your kids to school and think, you know, everything's going to be cool. you got to wonder, what are they teaching them? What are they telling them? We keep seeing it. You know, other, other news stations don't necessarily share, but I know Fox News does, like, some of these teachers are teaching their own personal uh, agendas mm -hmm. to your children, but you have to be engaged. You have to ask them what's going on and things like that. That's so been going on for years, Marcus. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, especially with those college professors and so forth. Yes, definitely. Wow. Man. Really? I knew, I knew he had a message up his sleeve tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew there was something burning in there. Yeah, we were born for such a time as this. Amen to that. Holy smokes. Well, Marcus, you know, we'd love to hear a little bit more from you. You know, what do you think people really need to pay attention to right now in this day and age? I mean, we kind of touched on some of it, but what do you think that 
people really need to spend some time focusing on besides their relationship with the Lord, besides being in the Bible, et cetera? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously that's, that's the foundation for everything because I believe like today, sometimes I scroll through social media and I look at, um, these false prophets out there and I look at what's going on in politics. I look at what's going on in the schools. Uh, I look at, you know, what's going on with the police and, you know, the race, the race, things like that. And I'm, I'm one person, you know, I just try to be fair with everything. I've watched a lot of these different videos and, um, you know, some cops, yeah, they were, they were wrong for, mm-hmm. for what they did. And other times some people ask for it. You know, I tell people, I say, you know, I, I was in Iraq. And I know that like when I had my uniform and I had my weapon, I expected those people to respect my authority. And if you didn't respect my authority and you started acting kind of twitchy or kind of funny, that put me on alert because I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to, you know, so for you to just start acting weird, that's going to put me a little bit on alert. And everybody wants to get home to their family. But I see the spirit of the Antichrist at work. And the way the Lord showed it to me is the more that this stuff, the tension builds and things like that, it's just going to be an excuse to implement. The police aren't going anywhere. You can fight the police all you want. Mm-hmm. You can have riots and all that stuff. All that's going to happen is you're going to make such a mess that somebody's going to decide, let's militarize the police. Let's give the police more power. If that doesn't work, let's start giving people a curfew. And then, you know, it sounds like something off of an end times movie or end of the world kind of movie. But then you think about all the other measures that are already in place to control, and to track. You can upload a brand new picture to Facebook right now, and it will recognize your face. You can search something on Google and then go into Facebook and Instagram and an ad for that thing will pop up right away. So they can track you, they can see you, mm-hmm. they can watch you. So all those things that they used to make those futuristic movies about, there's people who are already taking chips. It's been, you know, on Fox News and a couple places, they're voluntarily taking chips. We see the little ATM debit card that has the little chip on there. So what people, the thing that people fail to realize is the enemy is not an idiot. He's not going to just pop up and just bam, there it is. It's going to be a gradual thing. You have a debit card. Now there's a chip on the debit card. Now we just need the chip. Matter of fact, let's just put it inside you. It's more convenient. We've got self-checkout lines, cashless society. We don't even need cash. You just scan your wrist, just use your card, just grab your one. I think even Amazon, they have a store where you can just walk in, grab what you want, and it'll just deduct the money from your phone. Don't even have to wait in any lines or anything like that. And all of these different things are things that we've talked about in movies. So people have been conditioned, you know, to, do, to almost kind of used to it. And even Hollywood, they're making all these movies that mock the rapture. They made this movie with the Avengers where these guys are disappearing at the snap of somebody's fingers. The world is under such a strong delusion and they're getting so watered down and they don't even realize it, that if the rapture were to come, they would believe it was aliens. Hmm. People would still, people would still deny that God is real. And you know how I know people say, no, that there's no way. When Jesus was walking the earth doing signs, wonders, and miracles, when Moses did all those wonders with Pharaoh, they, people were still rejecting God then. Mm-hmm. So they would still find the reason to reject now. That's the truth. That's the absolute truth. It really is, yep. It's sad. What are your feelings, uh, Marcus, on uh, cryptocurrencies? Uh, if people ask me about that, I haven't really 
looked into it too much, but it's just another thing that I feel like anybody who you're looking at all these different things, it's like, we're going like, okay, put it this way. 10 years ago, talking about all these things, you'll think like, Oh, you know, that's so far off. That's like a movie that's in the future. But when you look at these things now, I think you have to kind of step back and be like, we're way closer than we think. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in the Bible, Bible speaks about the, uh, one world currency. Yes, sir. And right now, yes, you sir. know, a uh, Bitcoin is, uh, decentralized and the government is trying to get involved with that. So I was just wondering what your feelings were on that. You know, I'm not trying to make it something it's not, but then again, you don't know. Like you said, it's a, it's the subtlety that uh, Satan uses to just smooth it over. Mm -hmm. And and like he was saying before, eventually it's just going to be, well, everybody else is doing it. We got to do it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I really bear witness with what he says. You know, we've got to, we've got to make a decision right here and now mm-hmm. who we serve. Choose this day who you will serve because he's right. Well, eventually we're going to have to give an account. I think before we get to heaven, we're going to have to stand up and say, you know, like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you betcha. We will I'll give you another down. one. That just, another one that just popped in my mind, sir, is the uh, the thing with NATO and the thing with UN with with Trump trying to pull the funds from them because I think we were paying like sixty seven, sixty eight percent, you know, of the, the, the defense bill and stuff like that, which is just completely unfair. Mm-hmm. And so the way the media, the media paints it, they paint it like Trump doesn't know what he's doing. He's going over there and making everybody mad at him because he's just a jerk and he's you know a big idiot. But what they won't tell you is that he's trying to get us more fair deals and, you know, like trying to fix the, the finance in America. We've got all this money going out everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's unfairly so because it's, what, like 29 other nations? So it should be, but we shouldn't be doing 67, 69% on that, our own. Absolutely so not. When I, begin to think, when I begin to think about it, I was like, okay, but there's something deeper happening there. He's over there ruffling feathers and things like that. And so, you know, the Antichrist, when he comes in, he's not going to be the American leader. He's not going to be the European. He's Eventually, he's going to be like the leader that the world looks to. You know, so I, that's another thing. I'm like, man, Trump is actually making waves, you know, in the U.N. He's making waves in the NATO. And people are getting upset. And, you know, there might it might cause even some more tension. And there's already so much tension in the world that maybe there, there's some things that happen. And then that's, you know, when the Antichrist, he's coming out and he's like, man, I can fix this. I can fix the problems in the UN. I can fix the disagreements in, in NATO. I can fix the, the chaos in your streets between police and civilians and things like that. I believe that's how it's going to happen. I believe there's going to be just chaos. And that's what's going to make the Antichrist look appealing to people because people are already looking for a healer and people are, are, are um, a savior. And then people are already looking for, you know, uh, they're already fighting for power. So I believe that the stage is literally being built in front of us for him to just walk mm-hmm. out and say, I got this. And people are going to fall for it. You bet. And the you. media is going to make them look good. You know, I, I think people are like, somebody in my, my comments say, Trump's the Antichrist. I look, the Bible says, God is the way that leads to destruction, and there is the way that leads to eternal life. All right? Whoever the Antichrist is, best believe Hollywood's going to love them. Most of the world's going to love them. I mean, Trump is like hated <laughs> by like all these people. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, he's definitely not the Antichrist. <laughs> and it just goes to show how ignorant people are. Mm hmm. 
you know, what I think about sometimes Marcus is, you know, when God does pull all the Christians out, when he comes for his people and then the people that are left behind, what is that world going to look like? You know, because it's going to be void of everything that Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that people are going to be uh, pretty, pretty heartbroken. But I then I believe that I see I've, I've never really studied too deep. You know, we talk about post-trib, pre-trib. I tell people, like, you just need to be ready. But one thing that I do know is that uh, the Lord made it where humans can pretty much, we adapt to a lot of stuff. You can go to Iraq, you can get deployed, you can get your legs blown off. And depending on, you know, your mind or your your drive, like humans have this ability to just adapt to different things. And I believe that even when that happens, some people would just become so hardened with bitterness and anger and resentment, you know, that they're still going to reject God. They're mm-hmm. still not even going to try to seek him, you know. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. I agree. It's just so sad, you know, it's just, it it just, it gives you a heart because you think, you know, that's why it's so important to reach people, you know, because the thought of them just being left behind in a world like that, you know, it's, it's tragic. Yep. Time is now. I mean, Jesus is hope. And, you know, once he comes back, he's not coming back to, to recruit people, (laughs) (laughs) you know, He's coming back for his people and then he's leaving. Uh-huh. In a blink of an eye. Yep. I believe a lot of American Christians, you know, they better they better make it on the first trip because <laughs> American Christianity is not anything like it is in other places in the world. There's other places in the world where you have to have a Bible study underground and mm-hmm. you get caught with the Bible. You know, and in America, we're not even really dealing with anything like that. We face little persecutions here and there. But, you know, there's other places where they're really going through hell and fighting back hell already. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's already be going on in certain places of the world and the Lord hasn't come yet. I can't imagine how crazy it would be after he comes back. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you've been to some of those places too, Marcus, you know, you've seen it firsthand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rough and it, it kind of just makes you question, you know, I was reading earlier today and it's something that God has really been dealing with me um, about. And I kind of preach it everywhere I go. Um, he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, you know, um, living sacrifice. What does that really mean? You know, what are, what, are, what are you really sacrificing? What are you really giving up for the Lord? And then the other verse the Lord gives me is enter into his course of things to enter into his gates of praise. I asked him, I said, when's the last time you really went into the Holy of Holies? That Jesus died and the veil was torn so you could have access and you can go in there, but how many times do you really take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. Because you saying a little prayer is not really going in the Holy of mm-hmm. You read in a quick chapter, that's not spending intimate time with the Lord. You know, when is the last time you actually prayed and, and, and really just, not, and then even just prayed and then shut your mouth and let the Lord speak to you and just kind of meditate in his presence, you know, and kind of push through and, and soak it up and not kind of give him these little drive-through, drive-by prayers and things like that. Because I think that in America, we're so comfortable where we sometimes don't realize um, how much we need his power and how much we need his strength. Well, there's a lot of people that says enter into the courts with Thanksgiving, enter the gates of praise. They spend their whole Christian walk in the gates and in the courts. And if you look at how like the temple is laid out, 
They never go inside of the Holy of Holies. They never go to that intimate place where mm-hmm. there's revelation and, and where strength and destiny and purpose is revealed to you. And they spend their whole time in the courts and the gates. You know, they go to church on Sunday and, you know, they hear the preacher and Monday through Saturday, it's just life as normal. Life, you know, back to as usual or whatever. And they never know who they are in Christ. And I always tell people, I said, you know, you don't have to reach 10 million people from, uh, you know, all over the world to be effective. And I think that's another problem with this Facebook and social media world. You think that, well, nobody wants to hear my testimony. And, you know, if I do a video, maybe one or two people are going to view it, and that's not a success. But what we started to realize is that woman who gave her offering. The Pharisees were given all this money and gold to be seen, and she only gave her little one talent. But to the Lord, what she gave was more valuable than anything all those other people gave. Mm-hmm. So maybe you have some preacher that, yeah, he gets 20,000 people to come to a stadium, but how many of those people did he actually affect? How many did they actually get changed and delivered? And the Lord is telling you to talk to your neighbor next door, and you can actually be more effective than that preacher that is preaching to 20,000, but you think because it's one person and they're 20,000, that they're being more effective to you. And that's not the way that God looks at it. That's the way that man looks at it. The Bible says the heavens rejoice over one soul. And I think if Christians really can understand that, like you are being effective by just being who God has called you to be and not comparing yourself to other people, that's where revival starts. Mm-hmm. I know that I feel too um, that serving people is probably one of the best acts of worship that we can do. You know, I just, you really become the hands and feet of Jesus at that point. You know, when you're giving and you're serving and you're just loving on people, that's when I see, you know, especially when you do it in groups, you know, it's like you get to see the entire group become that body of Christ out there serving. And then there's so much power in that. And there's just, you know, it's like when we all kind of get connected and plugged in together and we go out on a mission to do something, it's amazing how that can be such a transformative experience, not only for the people that you're serving, but also for yourself. You know, I'm just always blown away by that. Serving opens the door to slaying giants. So Mm -hmm. if David was too cocky or arrogant when his father told him to go down there and bring his brothers lunch, he would have never fought Goliath. It was the fact that he was willing to go down there and serve his brothers that opened the door for him to fight Goliath, which opened the door to him getting the kingdom. So a lot of times, if we just love on somebody, then we can deal with the giants in their life. Then because the door is open, you know, we love on them, we show them compassion. It's not just always about preaching and throwing the Bible in people's face, but just, you know, being that, being that good person, you know, being, being uh, being available to somebody, giving them your time, giving them your ear and showing them that you actually care. And then once you get their trust, now we can slay these giants in your life. You know, these things that you're struggling with, these things that you're battling with. Mm-hmm. Let his light shine through you. Exactly. Man, what a great show. <laughs> it really has been such a pleasure to have you on with us, I know. Marcus. I could just sit and talk to Marcus all night. I really can. I, I love it. I love talking to people who love to talk about the Lord and who are, you know, have a realistic uh, and spiritual kind of view of what's going on in the world. Because you try to talk to some people and they get irritated. 
they get mad at you, you know, and it gets kind of frustrating. It's kind of like Jeremiah you're looking at these bones, and it's just like, live, bones, wake up, get mm-hmm. it, understand, and mm-hmm. they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important for us to fellowship with other Christians because we need to we need that sharpening. We need to be able to talk about things and, you know, share ideas and help each other out and pray for each other. It's it's valuable. I know Fritz and I are in a couples Bible study and it just that Bible study group means so much to us because it's it's the relationship, it's the fellowship that's built. You know, we pray for each other and it's just amazing what happens in that group, but God shows up and it, and it's a beautiful thing to experience. When two or more come together in his name, there Amen, he Mikey. is. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Make, make sure you're surrounded with the right kind of people. That's the other thing that is really hindering a lot of people we get involved with. People who are giving us bad advice, we're giving us getting involved with people who, you know, don't encourage us to be, you know, what God has called us to be. They're actually doing the complete opposite, and that's a big problem in the church. Sometimes you just have to know when to cut away people, and then the other thing is, you know, sometimes you're going to have to be willing to make the sacrifice that it takes to actually get connected and involved because maybe, you know, oh, I'm just too tired from work to go to a Bible study or I'm just too tired to do anything outside of church on Sunday. It's very important to have those people in your life at mm-hmm. least, you know, a couple times a couple times a week. A lot of churches, they um, have done the smart thing and got away from Wednesday Bible studies because if you went to churches anywhere across America, like Wednesday Bible studies kind of like dying down. You never get that same crowd. But what a lot of many churches that this has been successful, they've implemented is throughout the week. Um, they have like small group meetings. So they divide the church up. And this is a really good for bigger churches. But uh, I know the church that I came from in Virginia, Wednesday nights was a women's night and Thursday night was for the men. And so the pastor would put like one guy that he trusts and then we would rotate different people's houses. And there was like different cells inside the church. And it actually made a very healthy and strong bond. You know, sometimes you just need to vent. Sometimes you just need to be accountable. Everybody can't run to the pastor and sit down with the pastor. And I believe that is a very smart thing for um, a lot of churches to just implement. You know, it's just small groups, you know, whether it's marriage groups, singles groups, men's groups, youth groups, female groups, whatever it is. I think that would be a very wise thing to implement. That's what they did in the book of Acts. That's how they started. That's right. That's the right. world will give you the world will give you plenty of things to do, and I think that's another thing. Like we can't we can't get so religious that we act like people don't have a life. There's nothing wrong with a couple of Christians just going out, you know, to eat some food or uh, go to an amusement park or go to a museum. Just like being together and going out outside the full walk of church, and we don't. It doesn't necessarily have to just be oh, we're gonna preach. We're still human, you know. The Lord when He made Adam and Eve. You know, there was, there was there's animals and there's trees and there's, there's other things here than just, you know, you're just preaching the Bible 24-7 and your, your head is just in the clouds. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. And why not enjoy it with brothers and sisters? This is our Father's creation. He put it here for us to enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, the right way. Amen. Wow. We'll just wrap up on that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Marcus, just thank you so much thank for you, agreeing yeah, to be on the so show. Much, man, you are such a blessing, and I'm going to commit to pray for you, and hopefully you'll do the same for us because, you know, we're going through some growing pains, and we definitely want the Lord's 
will and blessing. the Lord's blessing, the Lord's agenda, as uh, that is our only agenda. Amen. So fantastic, Marcus Rogers, and I want to thank everybody on uh, that's on with Mixler tonight, and then everybody that's uh, watching and listening on YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You listened to a good one tonight. I really appreciate it. We had a little bit of church. Yeah, we did. <laughs> with Marcus, you're always going to get church. You're always going to get church. And, uh, <laughs> I got him wound up a little bit tonight. Not like last time. He was subdued on me, but I got him wound up a little bit tonight. <laughs> if you're wound up and want to give your testimony, go to GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. Send us, an, send us a letter if you're not the microphone type. You know, you can uh, call in. You can write in. We'll, we've read testimonies that have been amazing on the show, and uh, we'll take it any way we can get it. But uh, hopefully, uh, Marcus has inspired you to uh, to look at that a little closer. I know he's inspired me, man. I'm gonna. I'm a different guy. I'm gonna wake up in the morning with a different attitude, <laughs> and so uh, I'm gonna approach people uh, differently and see them differently. So it has blessed me immensely. Show the love. Amen. Amen. Well, guys. JW is on. He said, awesome show. Thank you, JW. Oh, thanks, JW. Thanks for always chatting and chiming in. Yep. Marcus is awesome, and we're always glad to have him when he's not too busy. So, uh, well, guys, uh, Marcus, stay on the line with us so we can uh, say goodbye to you. But that about wraps it up for session 168. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. Walking around I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed